As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, good morning. I love the little bass they have at the end. It's like a Christopher Nolan film, boom, something like that. So we're going to talk about Noah today. We're in a series called Everyday Heroes. We're going to talk about Noah today. Uh, we've been looking through different heroes as we go through the series. Noah, empowered with trust to obey. Empowered with trust to obey. We're going to look both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I want to start by framing a little bit of the story. My name is Ed Stetzer, teaching pastor here. I want to welcome you for watching us online. Any of our campuses, we're glad that you're here. So Noah... Um, we sort of know the story of Noah, even if you haven't been to church, probably know the story of Noah. Noah, uh, there's a flood, Noah in the flood, you know, kind of in the ark and all this takes place. And the story is often taught in, um, you know, like even children's classes, right? So we just had Summerfest, which is our way of, we don't say Vacation Bible School because we're cooler than Vacation Bible School. It's Summerfest. Um, so we just had Vacation Bible School. But you, maybe when you were a kid, if you went to church, I didn't grow up in church, maybe you did. You remember hearing the story of Noah. So Donna, my amazing wife, decided she really liked the story of Noah. And so she uh, found a, we were living in Tennessee at the time, and there was an artist that, uh, just a part-time, but I think she was a teacher, and she uh, was an art teacher in high school, and she did work. So we asked her, Donna asked her to take a dresser and to paint, make it a Noah's Ark dresser for the girls, right? And so there's Noah and he looks just like Santa, you know, kind of big beard, big belly, um, welcoming the animals. There's a rainbow in the background. The animals all seem very happy and, and, and it kind of can become simply a children's story for us. Um, but we actually took it with us. We actually, when we moved from Nashville to Chicago five years ago, five years ago this month, we actually um, brought it with us. The kids are too old for their little Noah dresser now. Uh, they're all going off to college and graduate school in the next couple of months. But, um, but I've always been sort of tempted because that's not really the full story of what's going on with Noah. Noah didn't necessarily look like Santa Claus. He wasn't all about the happy animals. Noah is kind of a judgment story. It's a judgment of how, a uh, story of how God judges a wicked world. It's got a lot of uh, death and destruction in it. And so I've resisted the temptation though all these years to say to my girls when they were seven, so yep, that's that little, that little dresser of yours, that's where God judged and destroyed the wicked world. So put, you put your little pink socks right in there, <laughs> honey. But. Um, but there are important things here we're going to see, the lessons here. The lessons are that God punishes sin, God desires to save by faith, the ark points to the cross, and Noah helps us to see all of that. We're going to see that Noah was available, willing, and empowered. That's a key theme we've talked about throughout this series. Noah was available, willing, and empowered. So let's look at some principles from Noah's life of faith. I actually have seven of them. I have seven points in this message, which is unusual for me. And they're all like full sentences, so we got a lot of work to cover. So you ready? Let's jump in, let's get to work. Number one on our outline, fear of man leads to sin, but trust in God leads to faith. And this is gonna be Noah. Now you notice the book of Hebrews is actually a book in the New Testament. Noah is a story from the Old Testament, but Noah shows up all over our Bible. He's such a significant figure, an important person of faith. Let's look at Hebrews 11, verse seven. This is from Hebrews 11, which is called the Hall of Faith. And it says this about Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household 
By this, he condemned the world. Don't want you to miss those words. He condemned the world. Because we might hear that and say, well, Jesus came to save the world. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Right? There's a connection between Noah and Jesus. We're going to see it a little later. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir. Noah did. Uh, an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. But now faith is something we're going to have to learn, something we're going to have to practice. It kind of comes like exercise with us, right? So I uh, think it's like faith is like a muscle that has to be exercised. I, I texted Pastor Ron. I said, I'm going to be using this example. How often do you exercise? And he texted back five or six times. I said, like a week? He said, like, yeah, he's really all in five or six times. I, I mean, I, te- I exercise five or six times a year. <laughs> Three of them are involuntary. He's trying to catch a plane running through an airport, right? So... <laughs> So, um, so, but I, you know, I'm working on it. I'm trying to, but that's why, that's why Pastor Ron and, and Pastor Ed look different, right? He's been exercising, and when muscles get exercised, they get more healthy, they get better, they get stronger. So it is when you exercise the muscle of your faith. And Noah takes steps in obedience to exercise his faith. He spent decades building an ark when there had never been a flood. I want you to miss this, right? And we don't get a lot of floods in the western suburbs of Chicago, but we, we've seen them on television. Well, no one's ever seen a flood, and Noah's building a bo- an ark, a boat, right? So people go up to him and say, what's that? He says, it's an ark. He said, what's an ark? I don't know, because we never needed one before. We didn't need it because there'd never been a flood. And so we get Mo- Noah's description in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, if you know much about the Bible, the book of Hebrews in particular, Hebrews chapter 11 is a beautiful favorite. It's the great hall of faith. It's all the heroes of the faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 starts it. It says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Do you remember when it said that being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen? Well, what's faith? It's the conviction of things not seen. It's the assurance of things hoped for. So this is the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11, and it goes right after that and talks about, for by it, people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand the universe, right? It goes on from there. And then it talks about two people. It talks about Abel, and it talks about Cain. We don't have time to go into their stories, but it talks about, uh, it talks about two people here. It talks about, I'm sorry, Abel and Enoch. It talks about Abel and Enoch as early examples of faith. That's in verses four and five. Then it comes to verse six. Here's what it says in verse six. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. So Hebrews 11.1 tells us the story. Hebrews 11.2 gives us a background. We get then the the, the brief mention of of Abel and Enoch. And then we get verse six. It's impossible to please God without faith. Then we get to verse seven. Let's look at it again. It says, by faith, Noah. So Noah is a great example of faith. It's by faith, Noah, and comes by faith. Being warned by God concerning events yet unseen. Part of that faith is believing God. Things are gonna come because God said it. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving. The saving, remember that. There's a redemption, there's a salvation coming. By this, he condemned the world. The whole world faced the punishment of God. He condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes again by faith. Noah chose not to listen to the ridicule of people as he built the ark, but instead he feared the Lord. He trusted the Lord. He followed the Lord in the midst of that time. Noah had to, uh, I really had nothing to go on except the character of the God with whom he walked. So I would Noah believed God and do these things. Noah had nothing to go on except the character of the God with whom he walked. And it says this in Genesis 6, 9. It says, Noah was a righteous man, 
blameless in his generation. And I love these four words, Noah walked with God. I hope that's a description that when I'm with the Lord, people will say, you know, Ed, imperfect though he was, Ed walked with God. Maybe of you and of others, Noah walked with God. Now, this is in contrast to a time he lived of incredible wickedness. Genesis 6, 5 says this, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. So the issue is not even just that Noah was good and the people were bad. The issue is Noah believed God. Noah walked with God. The rest of humanity didn't. They were indicted for their sin. Their wickedness was before God. And yes, he ultimately judged and destroyed the whole earth with a flood. Now, Noah's righteousness did not come from himself. It's not something he mustered up on his own. It says in Galatians 3.6, just like Noah, it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Noah's the same way. Noah had faith. It was counted to him as righteousness because in Romans 1.17, it says, the righteous shall live by faith, okay? So that's point one. I hope you're tracking with me. But the lessons we're gonna see here is that God punishes sin, God desires to save by faith. The ark points to the cross and Noah helps us all to see all of that. Remember, Noah was available, willing, and empowered. So number two, uh, there's a clear contrast. There should be a clear contrast between the righteous and the wicked. I'm, they're not gonna put all these on the screen, but let me read for you here. In Genesis 6, verses five through eight, it says, the, lost, the, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, that every intention, the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. This is called anthropomorphism. It's describing God with kind of the emotions that people would understand. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So God grieved, not at the creation of people, but over people's evil intentions, and judgment was the only remedy. Now I'm gonna talk about judgment today in a way that we don't, we don't constantly talk about judgment here, but it's essential for us to understand a key part of grace is to understand sin, the wrath, judgment, and more. And clearly this Noah story is about the wrath of God being poured out on the whole earth, yet the grace of God being evident in saving Noah. So the world, what was it? The world, the phrase is only evil continually. Only evil continually. Every intention and thoughts was only evil continually. And the writer contrasts uh, the ungodly in Noah, right? It says, the wickedness of man was great. The wickedness of man was great, but Noah found favor. But Noah found favor. It's kind of remarkable that Noah could be such a righteous man. You know, we, we know we live in a world when we get into places where there's great and greater sin, it can kind of stick to us, right? But Noah lived in a time much more sinful perhaps than ours. So wretched was humanity that God determined to judge the world through a great flood. Now I really, I shouldn't say that because I don't know. The Bible doesn't give us great detail of all the, of all the evil and the wickedness that was there. And you know, we could say that that's still here and around us. You know, I was sitting in, where was I? I was in New York City. Um, last Sunday, I preached in New York City last Sunday, and I was flipping around on cable and, and a, uh, a reality TV show came on, and I thought to myself, hmm, God, if you destroyed the world in times of Noah, this reality TV show might be calling for a similar response today. 
It's pretty wickedness. There's wickedness that's all around us. You say, gosh, Ed, you sound so like a preacher of 200 years ago. You know, wickedness and judgment. But stay with me, right? Because even more remarkable, Noah's righteousness was given that he lived in such a horrendously sinful time. God grieved that he created man, but the Bible offers a word of hope. And to understand wickedness and understand judgment, you have to continuously see the God of grace at work. Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And notice, notice that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord is contrasted with the Lord saw the wickedness of man. The law saw the Lord saw the wickedness of man. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The contrast between the righteous and the wicked is more clearly seen by God. See, now we don't see it sometimes as clearly, but Noah had a relation with God unlike that of his contemporaries. God saw the wickedness of the human heart and he saw that he found favor. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So we have to be real careful. We don't, you know, we're just coming out of a, you know, Summerfest or a vacation Bible school that the message of Noah is be a good boy or be a good girl like Noah was, not like the bad people around him. That's not the message that's there, right? Again, we had a dresser. Noah's a happy dude hugging animals. It's a great kid's story. But the word favor, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord is translated grace elsewhere. Noah experienced God's grace. And as followers of Jesus, we walk in, we live in, we depend upon, we, we, we revel in God's grace because the world, there's coming a time when every person here, every person watching online, every person on all of our campuses will face God's judgment. And if we're in Christ, like Noah was in the ark, then we'll pass through that judgment, Jesus having taken the penalty for our sin. But if not, you need to hear this, there's a judgment coming. Like a judgment in Noah's day, there's a judgment coming and all of those who are not found in favor of God's eyes or in God's grace will face the penalty of their sin. The Bible literally calls it the wrath of God. Ed, you sound like an old school prophet. You sound like a 200 year old preacher. If that's old school, we gotta sometimes go back to school. Genesis seven, verse one, it says, I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So Noah's... Neighbors probably thought he was just crazy. Kept building that ark year after year, but hard truth, they would also be the ones begging for mercy when the door closed and the flood came and the rain began to fall. You know, so when we understand the nature of sin, how sin brings judgment, how judgment is literally the wrath of God in judgment, when we begin to understand that, then we can fully understand the grace of God. When, when Paul writes the book of Romans, which is a beautiful description of God's grace and the beauty of God's grace, he actually starts by talking about just how sinful we are. In Romans chapter one, it's not on the screen, but in Romans chapter one, it speaks of this and it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Don't miss this. It begins very clearly. We're gonna to point to the beautiful grace of God in Romans. It begins God's wrath towards unrighteousness. Say, Ed, wrath, judgment. I came for a happy, peppy message. I wanted to hear about Noah and the animals. He loved them. He hugged them. Well, let me just make sure you don't miss this. So um, tomorrow, I'm going to be teaching a class. I, caught a, I taught a class all last week, and I'm teaching a class all this week. I got to tell you, I'm a professor normally. Being a professor is hard for like four weeks a year, and uh, those four weeks are upon me. Um, and I teach classes all week, and so 
Tomorrow, I'll take my students in the class on a tour of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center Museum. And I'll show them different things. And we'll come to a place where a guy named Jonathan Edwards, we have a little display about Jonathan Edwards. I remember in high school, I was a new believer, it was in high school, and while I was there, I was, uh, the teacher was teaching a famous piece of literature. It's, it's a sermon by Jonathan Edwards. It's called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And I remember, I was a new believer in high school, and I remember kind of being horrified by hearing this. The teacher wasn't a Christian. She was explaining it. She was explaining what this meant. And I, and I thought, wow, you know, I just want to love Jesus. And, and I would tell you, it would probably be like two decades later when I would come back just randomly reading one day, maybe it was in seminary, and I read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and I looked at it through the eyes of grace and the eyes of the gospel, and I thought, he's right. It's a beautiful expression of God's grace that everybody is going to face judgment. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. Well, first it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, so everybody. And then the wages of sin is death, spiritual, one day eternal death. So everybody's gonna face judgment. And without Christ, God is rightly angry at our sin. And the beauty of the grace of God is just like in the ark, he took people in the ark just like we're in Christ. We're protected from the judgment we walk in the beauty of grace, but you can't understand the grace of God if you don't understand the judgment of God and the wrath of God that's poured out as it was in Noah's day and it will be one day for us. I know it's like, wow, old school. But if we're gonna talk about Noah, we gotta talk about what happened. Christians are not righteous because we're good. We are good because God made us righteous. The contrast between Christians and unbelievers is evident and we are grateful for the life of the one who loved us and gave himself up for us. The lesson of Noah is that God punishes sin. God desires to save by faith. The ark points to the cross and Noah helps us to see all of that. Number three, you're, you're doing the math. You're like, hey, you got one and two. You said you got seven. Well, here's a great thing, you know. It, I don't have any services after this and neither do you. So reach in your purse, share your snack with your friends. I'm just kidding, they get shorter. Number three, you can live for God in a wicked generation. You can live for God in a wicked generation. Look at Genesis 6, 9. This is important for us. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah was the only righteous man in a very corrupt world. Uh, if, he, if he could walk with God, so can you and I through Christ. Right? You, could be, you might be the only believer in your high school. You might be the only believer in your workplace. You might be the only believer in your family. Noah stood out and so can you. Because Noah by faith, trusted God. Number four, the ark and Noah picture redemption. Redemption, being redeemed or saved or rescued, right? The lessons are that God punishes sin, God's desires to save by faith. The ark points to the cross and Noah helps us to see all of that. Look with me, it's not gonna be on the screen, but Genesis six, let me just read it. Verses 11 through 22, I'll jump through it. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh because the earth is filled with violence through them. So I'll destroy them with the earth. And then he says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it with pitch. I want you to remember, cover it with pitch. That'll become important in just a moment. This is how you make it. The length will be 300 cubits, the breadth 50, height 30. Make a roof. It goes through all the details. And he says, I'll bring a flood and destroy all flesh, which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that's on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you. First time in the Bible that the word covenant is used 
and it's in the Hebrew word, I'll make a covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort. They shall be male and female. You know the story, birds of all different kinds, animals, and take with the food you need. And Noah did this, and he did all that God commanded him. Now, it's interesting. We don't find out a lot about anybody but Noah. We don't see the names of his wife. Sometimes people ask, so is Joan his wife? Like Joan of Arc? Nope, totally different person, different historical example. Noah, his wife, his sons, wives of his sons, we don't know many of the details. Because Noah is the focus. Noah's faith and righteousness are the focus. The ark was a mammoth vessel. No ship that size was built again until 1858. It was huge. Now, compared to our modern-day cruise ships, it would be look like a tugboat, but it was huge. And again, no one built one until 1858. And let's be honest, I keep getting these ads for these cruise ships. I don't know about you, but I'm saying hard pass right now for your cheap cruise. Sorry if you work for the cruise industry. But it also says the ark was covered in pitch, which is kafar in Hebrew, which actually comes from and connected to the Hebrew word for atonement. There's something going on here. There's a picture of something going on. God made a covenant with Noah as he did throughout the Bible, right? Covenants in scripture. God made a covenant with Adam. It's actually not called a covenant until later in Hosea, but God made a covenant with Adam. God made a covenant with Noah, never destroyed the world by flood. With Abraham, that all the people of the earth would be blessed through him. With Moses at the Sinai, the Mosaic covenant. If the people obey the Lord, he'll bless them. With David, the promises of a descendant and an eternal kingdom. But then... He makes the new covenant. God's people continue to fail to live up to the covenants, but he makes a new covenant. The Lord made a new covenant, which is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So whenever we see a covenant, it points to a greater covenant. It points to the new covenant. Noah points to a better Noah. Noah sent out a dove to bring back an olive branch, and Jesus, baptized in the Jordan, would have a spirit descend like a dove. Noah says he condemned the world in Hebrews eleven seven. Jesus would be condemned by the world. See, Noah found favor with God, which beautifully foreshadows the gospel. Humanity is as sinful as it ever been. Romans 3.23, you know, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. One day God will judge the world again, and you might face that judgment by death before then, or then by the final judgment, but that judgment, according to 2 Peter 3.10, will be by fire. But just like he did in Noah's day, God provides an ark, Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life, died a brutal death on our behalf, rose again, making a way for us to find favor in the eyes of God. Jesus, the new and better Noah, died on the cross to pull sinners from the floodwaters of God's wrath. His resurrected body became the ark for sinners to reach the homeland safely. Noah left the ark and lived. Christ left the tomb and lives again. Not only a better Noah, but a better Adam, a new Adam, reverses the curse of Adam, bringing believers into a new creation called the church. A lot of ways we could see the ark, the body of Christ, Christ himself, right? Here we are in the church. And I know the church, man, it's not always perfect. Let's just be honest. Kind of like the ark, man. If it wasn't for the water on the outside, the stench on the inside would kill you. And sometimes that's the way the church is. But it's too easy to miss the theme of redemption in the story of Noah and the flood. You can, people focus on, well, how, how big were the rooms and, and, and what were the animals and who were the sons of God they refer to and, and why in the world did Noah take the mosquitoes on the ark? I think that's a question I'm going to ask the Lord in heaven. Like big ones lately, like mosquitoes, like the size of birds. But God is a, res, a redeeming God, even when he's judging sin. 
Jesus, the sacrifice of atonement for our sin is the one who brings us safely through the depths of a sinful world into the restful shores of heaven. Number five on our outline. God can and use, will use anyone for his glory if they trust him and walk in righteousness. This is the part that's specifically for us as followers of Jesus, right? Remember the lessons are that God punishes sin. God desires to save by faith. The ark points to the cross and Noah helps us to see all that. But Noah was available, willing, and empowered. And, and let's be honest, Noah, Noah didn't like know how to build an ark. He didn't go to ark building school, right? Keep in mind, Noah was an amateur, but the Titanic was built by the world's greatest professionals. Thanks, thanks for appreciating that. I appreciate that, ma'am. Nobody else. You and me, we're having a good time. <laughs> Noah's life demonstrates the power of faith grounded in God's word. His tireless diligence building the ark reflects one who has the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is like a muscle. We have to exercise it. That's what Noah does. He exercises his faith year after year, building the ark, trusting in the Lord, right? You've heard this before. God doesn't need your ability, but your availability is true. Faith, not hustle, not workaholism, not being culturally savvy or clever, is the central identification, the central feature of a righteous person. We all, every one of us, will be in Christ, who are followers of Jesus, will be in Christ in the current judgment. We're collected in the ark that is Christ. And in that ark, we too are called to exercise our faith in Christ. Now, I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what it is that God would call you to do in this time. But one thing you might take from this message is, is a call to God to step out in faith, right? This whole series has been people who are available, willing, and empowered. You could be available to say, I wanna, I wanna teach the children here at High Point. You say, I, I, wanna, I wanna share the gospel with my neighbor and step out in faith. I wanna begin to tithe or give generously and step out in faith. I wanna respond to a call to global missions. I don't know what it is, but what I know is, is that faith gets exercised. Noah, because he walked with God, because he knew God would walk in faith, and we rely on the faithfulness of God and our faith grows. And also, too, let me make sure we don't miss this, too, because from that faith comes the need to tell others about that faith. That's number six on our outline. Let's look at number six. The good news calls us to tell others. Remember the lessons of the ark? God punishes sin, desires to save by faith. The ark points to the cross. Noah helps us to see all that. So in one of the epistles in the New Testament, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it talks about Noah. It says this in 2 Peter 2, 5. If he, God, did not spare the ancient world, he judged the ancient world, but he preserved Noah a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. He preserved Noah, a herald, a preacher, a proclaimer of righteousness. Noah was telling people about righteousness and nobody listened. I mean, Noah doesn't have any converts to point to, just his family. But when we focus on faithfulness, God takes care of the fruitfulness both matter to us, but you know this is why, because Noah was a proclaimer of righteousness. The good news calls us to tell others, if we are in the ark that is Christ, and there's a coming judgment, and you know it's coming, and if you're a follower of Jesus and believe the Bible, there's a coming judgment for everybody who dies, or Christ returns when they're still alive, there's a coming judgment, and if you're in that ark, you have time to tell them. The door is still open. Jesus says he is the door, right? In, in the story of Noah, God closes the door. It says God closes the door, and it was too late. Right now, Jesus is the door. It's not too late. Our job is to tell people of this good news of grace before the coming judgment. That's why I love 
this church because I know Pastor Ron and, and Jody, they're passionate about evangelism. I love that. I've told you before, I love the fact that they're adult converts. I love the fact they were adults when they realized they needed Jesus. They lived a life, found out it wasn't working, they needed Jesus, and I find adult converts just don't get over that. They want to tell everybody. I grew up in a non-Christian home. Most of my family's not Christian, and when I was changed by the power of the gospel, I wanted to tell everybody, and I still do. That's part of the call of our church. It's also part of our call of our church through global missions. Even now as we're seeking to ramp that up, we're actually gonna launch a course here. Robert Johnson, you know, who leads our missions efforts here. Starting in August 16th, we're launching a course called The Perspectives on the World Christian Movement, just in Three North. I'll be teaching some of that. And in doing so, we're gonna talk about how do we share the gospel around the world? Maybe, maybe that's the step in faith for you is to learn more about global missions. Maybe the step of faith for you is, is so that you might actually engage in global missions. So take that step of faith. Number seven, and finally, the flood is a picture of God's faithfulness. I know you might be surprised by that. You might say the flood is a picture of God's judgment, but God can't be faithful if he doesn't judge sin rightly. Don't, I don't want you to miss that, right? Remember, the lessons are God punishes sin, God desires to save by faith, the ark points to the cross, and Noah helps us to see all of that, right? So let's look at Genesis chapter nine, verses 12 through 16. I'll just read parts of it. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living thing that's with you for all future generations. I have set my bow. I want you to notice, if you're reading the ESV, it doesn't say rainbow. I want you to stay with me. It says, I've set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, obviously referring to a rainbow, but stay with me. And the bow is seen in the cloud. I will remember my covenant that's between me and you and every living thing. When the bow is in the clouds, I'll see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature. God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant. This is a sign of of the covenant. Don't miss this, right? Because you know that sounds kind of similar, doesn't it? When Jesus says at the Lord's Supper, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. God says this is the sign of the covenant that I've established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The rainbow is a sign that God will not judge the earth by water again. And I want you not to miss this. God's faithfulness still means that he will judge sin. And if you don't know, know Christ, you will face the judgment of God on sin alone. You say, well, I'm not as bad as some people. Maybe you're not. There's always somebody you can find worse than you. But the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin, not really bad sins, not sins that are worse than yours. The wages of sin is death, spiritual death, and then eternal death. And if you face the judgment of God all alone, you don't pass. It's not a scale, right? It's not A, B, C, D, it's pass, fail. And pass is perfection made whole and made right through Jesus. Everything else is fail. So there's a judgment that's coming and I want you not to think that, that because we don't talk about that every single week that we don't believe that, we do. We deeply believe that there's a judgment that's coming. If you don't know Christ, come to the greater ark, come to Christ who alone can take you through the judgment in that ark that is Christ. Now, if you know Christ, Noah built an ark and saved his family. God won't call you to build an ark. If you think God's calling you to build an ark, you should see a pastor because <laughs> we need to redirect that quickly. But what are you building that will help others see Christ today? 
In fact, let's look at the ark and talk about the ark and the cross for just a second, right? What does the ark remind us, right? It's a salvation, but it's also a reminder that God judges all. God's faithful. He judges all. He is the ultimate, righteous, holy, perfect judge. The ark reminds us God judges all. You know what else reminds us of that? The cross. That God judges all. And Jesus took the penalty of God's judgment on himself in the cross. So the ark and the cross, God judges all, but also the ark and the cross both remind us of this. God provides a way of salvation through the ark, through the cross, through Christ. The most common descriptor in the New Testament of Christians is they are in Christ. Noah was saved from something and to something, and so are you. Noah was saved from the judgment and wrath of God to a new life under God's rule. You are saved from the judgment and wrath of God to a new life under God's rule in Christ, in the ark that is Christ. And I don't want you to miss that. There was only one ark, and there was only one door, one door to the ark that provided salvation. To be a Christian, you literally have one door. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus literally says, he says, I am the door. He is the ark in which we find safety because of his grace. You don't have to live in fear of the judgment. I don't live in fear and judgment. I don't have to live in fear and condemnation of when I struggle and when I fall because I'm protected from the wrath. I'm in the ark that is Christ. The ark points to Christ. And as a follower of Jesus, I'm in that ark. And that ark eventually takes me to that place of eternal life. And when you do, just like it says, God remembered Noah, God remembers you. Don't miss this too, the ark was built with wood and nails. And Jesus' death, which provides the way as the door into the ark that is Christ, came through a cross of wood and nails and he remembers us. Don't forget this. Now, I said earlier that it's not literally a rainbow, it's literally a war bow in the original language. As in a bow and an arrow, but the direction has changed. Famous preacher Charles Spurgeon put it this way. Listen to Spurgeon as we close. He quoting Spurgeon, beloved Christ is vengeance satisfied. The, we actually sing a song. Let me move away from Spurgeon. We actually sing a song in Christ alone. And at one point it says, the wrath of God was satisfied. Thank God for Jesus. In Christ, the wrath of God was satisfied. Moses was saved through the ark. You are saved through the ark. That is Christ because the wrath of God has been satisfied on the cross. Listen to Spurgeon. Beloved, Christ is vengeance satisfied. Those wounds, those bright and burnished jewels of his hands betoken that God demands no more of man. The rainbow, yet again, is a token that vengeance itself has become on our side. You see, it's an unbroken bow. He didn't snap it across his knee. It is a bow still. Vengeance is still there. Justice is still there. But which way is it pointed? It is turned upward, Spurgeon writes, not to shoot arrows down upon us, but for us, if we have faith enough to string it and to make it our glorious bow, to draw it with all our might, to send our prayers, our praises, our desires up to the bright throne of God. Mighty is that man, omnipotent is his faith, who has the power to bend that bow and draw it and shoot his prayers to heaven. What a change. God gave us a bow, but turned it upward not sending arrows of judgment towards us in Christ. If you hear this message today as a Christian and you feel judged and condemned, 
you have missed the full nature and power of grace. If you hear this message today as a non-Christian and you're not concerned about the judgment of God to come, you too have missed the full measure of this message because a judgment comes without Christ. But in Christ, we don't walk in judgment. There's no condemnation. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Moses, uh, Noah condemns the world by his actions, right? The world perishes. Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. The lessons are that God punishes sin. God desires to save by faith. The ark points to the cross, and Noah helps us to see all of that. So two ways to respond today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you hear the pleading of impending judgment that I wanted to share with you today. I share with you not because it's harsh, but because it's true. Noah could have said, listen, I don't want to tell you what's going on. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but there's a flood coming and everyone's going to perish who's unrighteous. Noah heralded the truth and people didn't respond. So I want to say to you, centuries upon centuries later, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're watching online, you're here in person, there's a judgment coming. It's not a flood but there's a judgment coming at your death or at Christ's return and you will face the judgment of God. The punishment and penalty for your sin will be taken upon you. Death is the penalty, eternal death is the destination. But God provides a way. Just as he did with Noah and the ark, Jesus is our ark and by grace and through faith, the door. Jesus says, I am the door. The door is not closed, the door is open. Jesus says, I am the door. And if you will receive by grace and through faith, you can become a follower of Jesus. Walk in grace, not condemnation. You can look and see that he has made you new and walks with you in a relationship that changes everything. I invite you as someone who's not a follower of Jesus to follow him. If you are a follower of Jesus, I wanna invite you to see the life that Noah lived. Our theme has been awe, availability, willingness, empowerment. I want to invite you to say, I saw Noah step out in faith and say, what is God calling you to do? How you might step out in faith today. I'm going to actually lead us in a prayer. I'm going to give an opportunity for both groups of people to respond. If you don't know Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity to trust him. If you do know Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity to exercise your faith. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you this day the story of Noah before us. And we thank you for the many times we've heard the story, maybe as children, maybe to understand the fullness of it. But today, Lord, we thank you that you've reminded us that you indeed judge righteously, but you provide a way. Father, I pray for those who are here today who do not yet know you. Maybe those listening online, one of our campuses, maybe someone watching later, if that's you, I want you to hear that there's a judgment coming but Jesus provides a way. Father, I pray that we would be reminded today that your Holy Spirit would convict and draw women and men to you and they might hear of this judgment and say, I want to be in the ark that is Christ when I go through the storm that is the judgment. And if that's where you are today, but others are praying for you literally right now in our church. We're praying for you and you can pray this prayer. You can say just silently to the Lord, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin can't do it your way. You got to say, forgive me of my sin. If it's a prayer of your heart, say, come into my heart, Jesus. I receive the gift you have given me. I receive the new life in Christ. I receive the grace of God and your forgiveness. I trust and follow you, Jesus. Father, I pray for women and men, young people who just prayed that prayer, that Lord, you might just speak just a bit more to their hearts so they might share that with us so we can rejoice with them that they are in the ark 
that is Christ, and we can walk together on this journey. Father, I pray for followers of Jesus who see the example of Moses, who is available, who is willing, and who is empowered, and that example can be our example. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed for just one moment more, if you're a follower of Jesus, what is it that God is calling you to do to step out on faith? I gave you some options earlier from teaching, from serving, from starting a quiet time, from sharing the gospel, beginning to give faithfully. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that Moses' example compels us to faith. Will you just right now in the quietness moment say, Lord, here's where I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes, I'm gonna step out in faith. Father, I pray that as others right here say with me, here's that next step, Lord, that you might give us grace and strength. We know we're in the ark. We know that we're safe from the judgment, Lord. And in that, we want to live out our faith. We want to make much of Jesus in our lives. Father, I thank you for this series on heroes. And I thank you for this example of Moses, his life, his faithfulness, your judgment, because you're faithful and your salvation, because you're loving. As we are in the ark that is, in, that is Christ, may we walk in the grace of the forgiveness of the gospel, not in condemnation and fear, but in the knowledge that you have saved us as you saved Noah and his family. Father, we give you praise and worship today. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray, amen and amen.